0: Morning, everyone. Hey, I'm Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at the Mount. And before I get into the next part of our series, there's one very important announcement I need to make about a very important need coming up in our church. As many of you know, the mount is staff-led, volunteer driven, and elder guarded. Our elder team is an incredible group of godly men who help their guardrails for the church and they also help lead the church, usually along with the senior pastor in every single season. And so usually after a couple years, we have elders who roll off and we appoint new elders. So we're approaching that season right now and our elders are godly men who are committed to the mission of the mount to be for one more and committed to the values of the mount to invite, gather, give, and volunteer. So this is where you come in because our two of our elders, Mark Allen and Troy Stewart, are getting ready to roll off and we're getting ready to appoint two new elders to our elder team. So what I want to challenge you to do, church, those of you who are part of the mount, to end this season, take time to pray and then begin to look around and see who is in our church who could step onto this elder team. And if you know of somebody who's a godly man, who's committed to the mission and values of the Mount, and who is a devoted follower of Jesus, all you have to do is to go to our website or to our app. Go to the events page on either one of those, and you can nominate someone to become a brand new elder in this season. And even in this season of transition, we believe God is still moving, and so we want to keep moving with Him. Today, we continue our series called Ready for Whatever life can come at you fast. Maybe some unexpected news, maybe a change in your job, a change in your church, maybe even you get a diagnosis that you weren't expecting about yourself or somebody that you care about. And when life comes at you fast, it can either throw you off or it can set you off. The Apostle Paul writes the letter to the Philippian jail after he was thrown into prison, he was falsely accused, and he writes to this church to get them ready for whatever may come their way. Because see, he was ready. Because of his deep relationship with Jesus, he was ready for whatever would come across his way. And he writes to this church because he wants to get them ready. And I believe right now, today in 2021, he wants to also help us to be ready for whatever may come across our way. So today, I want to start you off by just asking a very important question. What in the world is going on in our world right now? I know you see it. I know you feel it. And I know I'm not the only one. I was speaking with another pastor just a couple of weeks ago, and he's the type of guy where he's always encouraging. He always sees the bright side. He's the type of person where he says stuff like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. The best is yet to come. Life is full of sunshines and puppies, and I want to give you some. He's that type of guy. But he said for, his, for the first time in almost his 50 years of living, he's not too hopeful for what's happening in our world or even happening in our country right now. In fact, right now he says it it seems like so many things are unpredictable. I mean, doesn't it seem like every time you turn on the news, there's an apartment complex that has crashed and there's been massive loss of life? Doesn't it seem like every time you turn on the news, there's another evil person that is taking the life of somebody else? Doesn't it seem like every time you turn on the news, there's some sort of crisis or disaster that has happened that's either going to impact us directly or indirectly that seems to be coming across our way? In fact, church, do you want to know something that you can really do in this season as we see and feel all the brokenness in our world? In fact, this is a side note for you this morning. One of the best things that you could do even for the next 30 days is to turn off the news, And to delete social media. And what if for the next 30 days, instead of trying to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, what if instead you decided to turn to the one who was meant to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders? What if for the next 30 days you deleted your news feed, deleted social media, turned off any news channel, and instead you leaned into Jesus like you never have? What if you read his word like you never had? Like you prayed like you've never prayed before? What if you worshiped and what if you made a commitment to come to church every single week for the next 30 days? And what could God do in your life when you remove the burdens of the world and you look to the one who was meant to begin to heal and recover what was broken? There's so many things right now that seem they're broken in our world And it can even feel like it's not just out there somewhere, but it's right inside our homes. We feel the brokenness even inside our church. And see, what the world needs right now to be ready for whatever may comes across our way, what the world needs right now is strong leadership, courageous leadership, and bold leadership. And see, everyone wants someone to follow them. But not everyone wants to lead. And today we're going to see how the Apostle Paul and the book of Philippians showcases the greatest example of leadership ever in the history of the world. It's the type of leadership that is bold. It is courageous. It is strong. But it's maybe not the type of leader that you've been looking toward. Jesus stepped into a broken world. And he had all the power, all the authority to demand that people follow him. But he did not lead that way. He did it a different way. In fact, even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you may have heard that he, you may even have heard and even think, you know what, he was a good leader. I may not believe all the things that he said, but just seeing how he led and the things I've heard about him, I know he's at least a good leader. But I think most of us who are watching today at Fredericksburg or here at Stafford or online, you would say that Jesus was the best leader. In fact, Jesus didn't model a dictator-style leadership. He modeled servant leadership. It's the type of leadership that our world needs today. But it's not just for the entire world. It's the type of leadership we need in our homes that we need in our lives. Last week, Pastor Jason here at Stafford and Pastor Caleb down at at Fredericksburg and then Pastor Yayo at El Monte, 2 p.m. today, kicked off this series with part one, making the declaration that pursuing happiness is fleeting, but purpose in Jesus is fulfilling. Man, they took time to remind us last week that we need to remain committed to Christ in every single season because Jesus is always committed to us. In fact, one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures is found in Philippians chapter one, verse six, where it says that we can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you is gonna carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If there ever was a verse that the follower of Jesus needed to keep close, if there ever was a verse that you need to memorize and keep tucked close to your heart, it is this one. Because it's a reminder that the Savior never leave you. And no matter what you are going to go through, no matter what comes across your way, he's always committed to you. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And Paul was writing this letter here in Philippians because the mindset of the world had crept into the church and they were not ready for it. But he writes this letter to remind them that they don't need to have the mindset of the world, but they need to have the mindset of Christ. And as you're turning the Philippians chapter 2, have you ever thought about what we're actually reading today? That this letter to this church in Philippians was written almost 2,000 years ago. In fact, it was written in 62 AD, and it was written by the Apostle Paul who was in a Roman prison, and he writes this letter... And then either a courier or somebody from the church comes and gets this letter out of prison and delivers it to this Philippian church where the mindset of the world had crept in. There was some arguing and fighting that started to creep in. They were starting to see persecution from the government coming in. And he writes this letter to encourage them, to remind them that Jesus is with them. that he's going to carry the work that he began in them to completion. And not only that, he's reminding them, look, don't have the mindset of the world, but have the mindset of Christ. It's so interesting to think about the fact that this letter, 2,000 years ago, made it out of a Roman prison and into the hands of this church. And then God would take these words written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He would use these words to encourage this church and to challenge them to do the things that God Called them to do. And I believe he still wants to do the same thing today. In fact, even as this letter made it out of there, made it into the hands of this church, and it began to be circulated around, it was then copied by scribes, copied thousands of times. And you want to know something? God protects his word. So we know what we're reading today. These aren't fairy tales, these aren't made up words. These are the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to encourage this church under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are the very words from God. And today as we read them, one of the things that, that oftentimes what would happen when the letter would come to the church, all they would do, they would take the letter and they would read it publicly to the church. They would just read right through it and they would take time to pray. So today, before I just give you the three application points from this passage, we're going to read this whole section of Philippians chapter 2. So again, whether you're at Fredericksburg here at Stafford or watching online, I want everyone, open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, you can even found it, find it in the Mount app and turn to Philippians chapter 2. And in fact, we're going to be reading from the NIV version. If you need to flip it in your Bible app, the new international version, we're going to be reading it it from there, and I want everyone to follow along. And as you're following along today, I want you to see that what the Apostle Paul is writing here is what we need today for a world that feels so broken, We're going to see today that to be ready for whatever may come our way, that we don't need to look to the news or news feed. We don't even need to look to Capitol Hill or our president or our politicians, even though we do pray for them. You don't even need to fix the brokenness in yourself. You don't even need to look deeper in yourself. You need to look to the one who so loved the world that despite our brokenness and sin, that Jesus was still willing to die on the cross for you, for me. Not only that, even though he was buried, he rose again from the dead so that we could experience life and experience life to the full. As we read through this today, you're going to see that Jesus is a picture of this servant leader. Not a dictator, but something that he wants us to follow. So, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit. And of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God But now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the service and sacrifice coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for your word. God, your word is so good. And even though this was written 2,000 years ago, God, I'm so grateful that it is still living and active that what we're reading today is what we need. God, in a world that feels so broken, God, it feels like it's so lost, it's good to know that you're still giving direction. And I pray today, God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. God, I pray that just like you wanted to encourage this church 2,000 years ago, God, I pray that today you would encourage the mount with your word. God, I pray that as we read this today, no matter what comes across our way in this season, God, that we would look to you. Lord, we would trust you. Jesus, we would still seek out your example, that we would have the very mindset of Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of today's message is called Ready to Serve. Ready to serve. Business owner and leadership coach Ken Blanchard says this. He says, the world is in desperate need of a different leadership role model. We all have seen the negative impact of self-serving leaders in every sector of our society. Because these leaders have been conditioned to think of leadership only in terms of power and control. There is a better choice to lead at a higher level. When people lead at a higher level, they make the world a better place because in addition to results and relationships, their goals are focused on the greater good. This requires a special kind of leader, a servant leader. I think it was John Maxwell first coined the phrase and said that leadership is influence. And all of us, we operate on different levels of leadership. And every single person, whether you're sitting here at Stafford, you're watching online, or at our Fredericksburg campus, every single person has influence either in the life of somebody else or over the life of somebody else. Come on, even kids and students in the room, you know that you have influence, and at times you even lead your parents in certain directions, even if they don't want to go in those directions. Sometimes your schedule leads and influences your parents and where, where they end up going. In fact, kids and students, even today after the church, there's a restaurant that your parent may not go to because they know you're not going to eat there. So you're already influencing their decision. You have leadership even in the life of your parents. Parents, whether you believe it or not, you have the greatest influence and you are the greatest leader present in the life of your kids. In fact, studies still show that a parent is the number one influencer, the number one leader for how their kids are going to turn out. If you're an employer today, you have influence over the life of your employees. In fact, you can help your employees accomplish something good. You can influence them to accomplish something good and great or something not so good or not so great. If you're an employee, if you're an employee sitting in the room... You have influence over other employees who work with you. And again, you can champion the goals of the organization that you're working for, or you can help to tear it down. Everyone has levels of leadership. Everyone has levels of influence. And today, we're going to be taking a look at Jesus's example that Paul records. He challenges us to be this type of leader, a servant leader. In fact, Paul shows us three pictures of how a servant leader leads and who a servant leader is. So the first picture that Paul paints for us and the, and the influence that we could have and the example he wants us to follow is that he shows us that a servant leader has the right mindset. A servant leader thinks a certain way, operates a certain way, and they have the right mindset. Listen to what he says here again in verse 2. Paul says, look, make my joy complete by being like-minded. And then he goes a little bit deeper into what it means to have the right mindset. He says, look, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And he says, to have this right mindset, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest but each of you look toward the interests of others and in your relationships with one another this mindset have the same mindset as Christ Jesus so this is how a servant leader does it a servant leader has the right mindset what the servant leader does is that they honor god and they value others they honor god And they value others. There's no doubt that Jesus' goal was to honor the Heavenly Father. In fact, he even said at one point in the book of John that it was his food to literally obey the Father, to bring honor to his Heavenly Father. And as John said so many times, Jesus was sent, he was sent, he was sent. It's just a reminder that everything that Jesus did while he was here on earth was to bring glory to the Father, to point people to the Father, to bring honor to God. So right now in your life, what's your goal? Is it your goal to bring honor to God? Or is it your goal right now in your life to bring more glory to yourself, more accolades to yourself, more honor to yourself? I know we ask this question a lot here at the Mount, but I just want to ask you again Is Jesus first in your life? Is he a priority? Because if Jesus is not the priority in your life, then everything else is going to be out of order. A servant leader honors God, and in every single aspect, they want to seek him, they want to know him, they want to obey him, and they want to point other people to him. But not only does a servant leader honor God, a servant leader also values others. A servant leader wants to pull out the identity that God has put in someone else and the value that God has put on them. A servant leader wants to value what God has put in somebody. Did you know, church, that no matter who it is that's around you, that they've been created in the image of God? Even if you don't like that person, they've been created image, in the image of God. They are image bearers of God. And have you thought about how right now the world is trying to find their identity, their value in so many other places, in their sexuality, in their race, in their politics, but what God wants to point people to is to find their value, their identity in him. You know, we, um, I went through a season where, our, when our kids were younger, where I, it seemed like every single thing that they did, I would tell them no. But not only would I tell them no, I would also... They were doing. I would tell them every single thing that they were doing wrong. I would point out their flaws, their sin, and I would highlight those things. And it's like I would take time to make sure they saw their brokenness, and I would call that out in them, and I would say those things about them. I was so negative toward my kids. Now, I want you to hear this too, okay, because if you're a parent in the room or at Fredericksburg, again, watching online, you know, there should be times when you say no to your kids. In fact, some of you actually may need to say no more often to your kids. It is okay to discipline your kids. In fact, the Heavenly Father, he disciplines those that he loves. And when you discipline in love, that actually values them as well. But I went through this season where I was criticizing them, and instead of pulling putting out, pulling out, and showcasing the value, the identity that God had put in them, all I was doing was criticizing them. And then my wife, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, made sure, kind of brought it out in me, or made note that, she, she made sure that she told me that I was doing this, and I didn't even realize I was criticizing being so negative toward our kids. I remember thinking in that moment, that's not the type of parent I want to be. Because if you think about it, that's not the type of Father, God is to us. Because even though we do have sin, man, he wants us to know the value that he's seen in each one of us. So I I started to take some time to start to to see the kids differently, to start to see, okay, what, what good things, what identity, what value has God put in their life or has put on them that I can begin to call out, to pray for them, to help them to even see? And our oldest daughter, Micaiah, even from a young age, if if somebody was sick or they were sad or even if they were happy, she would make cards for them. She would write notes to them. She would give them a hug. She was always so compassionate to see a need in somebody else and to try to help them or encourage them. So I started to say to her, Micaiah, God has made you to be so compassionate. We love that in you. We see that in you. So when we would see her slapping her brothers or fighting with them, when when we would see her trying to manipulate her brothers to do her chores or the things that she didn't want to do, we would say, Micaiah, you were not designed to be somebody who hurts somebody else. But God has put so much compassion in your heart. You're not somebody who hurts people, you're somebody who's compassionate toward people. And we started to see not only was she compassionate, We started to see that she is so courageous. In fact, if she was here right now, she would probably even come up here. She's so bold. She wouldn't even want to preach this message up here with me on stage because she's so bold and so courageous. we say, God has made you so courageous. You're such a courageous leader. And we would start to say to her, you know what? God has made you so creative in all these things you make, all the crafts that you want to do. You are compassionate. You are courageous. And you are creative. And church, I just want to challenge you to do the same. The people that God has put in your life, that you have influence in their lives or on their lives, I want to challenge you to do the same. What if we actually became experts in the value that God has put on us rather than the flaws that sin tries to produce in us? Wives, I even want to challenge you Because right now you may have a husband right now that you want him to be a spiritual leader and maybe he's not right now. And maybe sometimes you just challenge him to to pray for a meal. And maybe sometimes he prays the most mediocre prayers. You may just ask him to pray for a meal and he may just say something like, "Uh, God, uh, thank you for this good cornbread and chili we're about to have. Amen. Amen. Now, you could say, you could say, that's it. Is that the best you can do? The dog could have prayed better than that. You could say that. Or you could start to point to and bring out the value and the identity that God has put in him. You could say something like, that was the best prayer I've ever heard. I love how you addressed our Heavenly Father when you said God. I love how you're already praying words of faith because you haven't even tasted this food yet, but you're already saying it's going to be good. I love how you prayed out loud and you're already taking steps to lead our family. I love how you're taking these steps to be a great spiritual leader for our family. You may even get another kid out of this. That prayer was so good. (laughs) There's something about When you begin to pull out the value and the identity that God has put in someone, that you serve them, that you honor them, that you help lead them to be changed by what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in them. A servant leader has the right mindset. They do it by honoring God, by prioritizing Him and seeking Him and following Him and obeying Him but a servant leader also values others. Number two, a servant leader has the heart to serve. A servant leader has the heart to serve. Listen to what Paul writes here again in verse 6. He says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, I love how Paul takes a moment right here and he reminds us that Jesus wasn't just another good teacher that Jesus wasn't just just another good preacher or somebody that was doing miracles in the first century. He takes a moment to remind us that Jesus was God in flesh, that this was God coming to earth to show us how to live. And I love how he reminds us that Jesus, again, he could have demanded that everyone follow him. He could have demanded that people serve him. But what did Jesus do? He decided to serve and there's something about his, his example that shows us here that when you're a servant leader who has a heart to serve, this is how you do it. You do it with service and you do it with sacrifice. When you have the heart to serve, you're going to do it with some serving and you're going to do it with some sacrificing. And there's something about when you make the choice to serve someone else and even sacrifice for someone else, even if you may not get anything in return that God actually even begins to move your heart away from pride. Man, we all battle with pride on some level or some form, but there's something about moving away from pride and moving toward humility, just like Jesus. In fact, what does God do with someone who's proud? Listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. It says, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And then Peter would write this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud. But good news, he shows favor to the humble. A servant leader is willing to sacrifice and to serve with humility leading the way. In fact, oftentimes when you're a servant leader who sacrifices and serves, our loss becomes someone else's gain. I know that our church across every location is full of men and women who have served in the military, full of military families. You know what it's like to serve and to sacrifice, don't you? In fact, oftentimes, your loss of time has equated to our freedom. Your service and sacrifice allows us to even gather today as one church across multiple locations. Your service and sacrifice allows me to even preach the gospel here from this stage with confidence because you've given up your time, your energy, your resources so that we can have the freedoms that we have today. And I just want to say that this church is so grateful for your family, for you, as you've given up time, as you've even lost people that you've loved. We are so grateful for your service and sacrifice. And I also want to say, too, that if you've been volunteering in this church, man, we're grateful for your service and your sacrifice. You may not realize that whether you think your role here at the Mount is big or small, But every time you have this heart for serving, you are making a difference in the life of someone else. This is a picture here of Ron and Beth Harvey. And Ron and Beth Harvey serve down at our Fredericksburg campus in the kids' area. Now, I won't tell you how old they are, but they are two of our senior saints who serve in our kids' area down at the Fredericksburg campus. Two years ago, when we brought our youngest daughter home from India, her name is Karis, she was so terrified when we first brought her to church. And Ron and Beth Harvey, they were her room leaders down at the Fredericksburg campus. And as they saw us bringing her in, and sometimes we would bring her in and think she's not ready yet, and we would keep her, keep her with us in the service, and sometimes we would leave her a little bit and she was in tears, Ron and Beth Harvey made it their mission to show our youngest daughter that God cares for them, that this church that she's going to be a part of cares for them and that Jesus cares for her. I saw Ron and Beth Harvey actually begin to make gifts for Carrie. They had little gifts ready for her, trying to help her and encourage her coming to this class. When she would come on a Sunday morning, they would hold her while she was crying. In fact, Ron and Beth welcomed the tears. Now, I want to admit to you, church, that sometimes when my kids are crying, the first thought that comes into my mind is that I would actually put in some noise-canceling headphones and drown out all that crying and just ignore it for as long as I can. Now, I've never done that, but I've thought about doing it. But Ron and Beth, they literally welcomed the tears. Man, they would hold our daughter. They would comfort her. And would you know, as they served, as they even sacrificed their own resources, resources, getting her gifts, As they sacrificed their time, my little girl started to love to come to church. She's excited to come to church because Ron and Beth served and they sacrificed. A few weeks ago, Ron was actually in the hospital and he was having a pretty major procedure done. And he actually ended up getting released earlier, even though the the doctors thought he was going to to stay for maybe several days longer. But we really think, as we were praying for him, that God healed him, and he got to be released on a Saturday night. And after this long procedure, this intense procedure, Ron, you want to know what he wanted to do the very next day? He wanted to go to church, and he wanted to serve those kids. In fact, his family literally had to force him to stay home to rest rather than going to church on that Sunday morning after this long, intense procedure. Service and sacrifice, just like Jesus. We all have influence over somebody, but the best way to lead anybody is to serve. One more, number three. A servant leader has the courage to stop complaining And get to work. Look what Paul says here again in verse 12. And this may be one of the hardest parts of this whole passage. He says, therefore. And so he's moving now from this example of Christ as this servant leader. And he moves into how this example of Christ has affected him. And how he has had this heart to serve and this mindset of Christ. And now how he wants the church to have it. So he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, as I'm writing this from a Roman prison, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here's, for, here's verse 14. I'm I'm not sure if anybody's going to get this one tattooed on them anywhere, but this is a verse that I think we need to let penetrate our hearts. Do everything, not some things, not every once in a while, not once in a blue moon. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Paul is reminding us here that a servant leader has the courage to stop complaining and to get to work. This is how they do it. They make the choice and they follow God's will. They make the choice and they follow God's will. I don't know what's been going on in your life in this season, but I know that you may not have chosen what has happened to you. I know that literally something may have come across your way that you weren't expecting. I know that you may not have been able to choose the season of life that you're in, but you can choose how you're going to respond. You can choose your attitude, your perception, your mindset. You can choose how to move forward. You know, I love how Paul writes this because sometimes we think that these, these writers of Scripture, these pastors, these apostles who wrote these sections of Scripture, that they were just maybe sitting on the beach, living an easy life. But Paul had had so many things come across his way. Yet somehow, some way, he was still able to still find joy as he trusted the Lord. Man, Paul, again, he was writing this from a Roman prison. This isn't some Martha Stewart prison. This is a Roman prison that he was writing this letter from. Paul, we know at some point he would be shipwrecked. He would literally have the boat that he was on destroyed and find himself floating in open waters. We know of at least two times, there may have been more, but at least two times that someone attempted to kill the Apostle Paul. We know that people literally were angry at him and would find him and would spit vile in his face. This is way before the days of Twitter where someone could just make a comment where they had to find you and they would literally spit evil at you face to face with you. We know that people aggressively attacked him. He was even attacked by a mob one day. The dude was bitten by poisonous snakes. He had been through all these things, yet in everything, he said, I'm going to do this without complaining or arguing. Any one of those things would have been, he, you would have said that he was okay to complain about all of those things. But Paul said, you know what? I'm still going to trust the Lord. No matter what happens or comes across my way, no matter what whether I was planning for it, whether it was unexpected, no matter what comes across my way, I'm going to trust the will of God. And there's something about when you're in a season, again, maybe you couldn't choose what happened to you, but when you, when you instead choose to stop complaining and to follow the Lord, that God actually begins to work joy in your life. I'm gonna ask our worship team at both campuses gonna make their way back to the stage. And as they're making their way back up to the stage, church, I don't know what is going to happen later on today. I don't know what's gonna happen in your life later on this week. I don't know what's gonna happen in our church later on this month or in our world this next year. I don't know what is gonna come across our way. But I do know the one who does. And I know that He wants us to be ready. So no matter what comes across your way, you do have influence either in the life of somebody else or over the life of somebody else. How are you going to use that influence? Are you going to use it for your own personal advantage? Your own personal gain? Are you going to make this life all about you? Or instead... Are you going to use your leadership, your influence, no matter what season of life you find yourself in? Are you going to have the same mindset as Christ? Are you going to say, you know what, no matter what comes across my way, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to pull that value out of others that He has put in them. I'm going to help them to see that their identity, their hope is found in Him. Are you going to choose to be somebody who has the heart to serve, to do with both service and sacrifice? In fact, I'll tell you right now, like your church needs you. Your church needs you to sacrifice and serve in this season. There are still people to reach all around Stafford County, Spotsylvania County, and we need people to step up and to give up their time to give up their resources so we can keep reaching more people with the good news of who Jesus is. And I know you can't control everything that happens across your way, but are you gonna have the courage to stop complaining in this season to trust God and follow him no matter what? Let me pray for you. Father God, I just wanna take a moment, God, and thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I thank you for your word again and how good it is 2,000 years later. God, I pray that no matter what it is that comes across our way, God, I pray that we would always trust in your word. And Lord, I want to pray for the person right now who's maybe sitting at Fredericksburg or here at Stafford or watching online, and maybe they've been trying to find their value in all these other things. Maybe they've been trying to find their, their value or their identity and their sexuality, their race, their politics. God, I pray they would stop looking to those things that only lead to more brokenness. If we put those things first, God, I pray they will look to you the one who values them more than anything or anyone on this planet. God, and I pray for the person right now who's, maybe feel like they've literally had the world thrown at them. God, they feel like they are living a new story and maybe they find themselves right now in a season of complaining and arguing and fighting and even complaining and arguing and rebelling against you. God, I pray that they would know that it's time to stop. And it's time to, again, look to the one who can heal that brokenness Look to the one who died on the cross, was buried, but rose again so they could experience life to the full. God, I pray that once again that they will look to you. God, no matter what comes across our way in this next year, this next month, God, this next decade, God, we are going to be ready as a church. We're going to be ready to serve and ready to bring honor and glory to you. We love you, God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.